We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Rams Talk Radio podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Now on to the show. John Van Brassen drops back, throws an arching pass upfield. Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 feet. Sees a whole burst to it. 20. Steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still to feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back. 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs a tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul Macosa, partner in crime tonight, Michael Stewart, the former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. It's been a while since he's been on the show. Sorry I've had to be away, folks, uh, dealing with family stuff, but we're glad to be back. Mike, how you doing, man? Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. It's time to come out and play. <laughs> I'm doing good, D.C. That was How about among the corniest things <laughs> you could have opened the show with. I thought peanuts for a second there. Charlie Brown. Yeah, you know, if you, <laughs> if you can see me, you know, you can see my hands side to side. Yay, you know, let's go team, you know. Feel like one of those uh, Ram cheerleaders out there in the crowd. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You're... Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It has been a while since we've been here, folks. Uh, Stephen Johnny did a good job covering for us. Um, it's been wow, almost two weeks since we've had a Rams Talk Radio show out. Uh, again, sorry for that. Um, because I wish to be transparent, at least to a degree, not be all too personal. My dad passed away, and um, 
when things like that happen, you just, those become priority. So we're glad you're back today. Glad to talk some Rams. In, in the course of the two weeks been gone, two huge wins. Rams beat the Cardinals on Monday night football. Whew, 30-23, and man, the Cardinals look wounded now. And then on Tuesday night, due to COVID, just rampaging through just through the Rams locker room. And not even, I'm not even trying to be a pun there, but it's a rampaging thing. No, no pun intended. Uh, they still beat the Seahawks 20-10. Mike, what are your thoughts here? What's going on with these Rams? Well, you know, it's like we, we've talked about. Uh, we were hoping, maybe even pleading, that they would get off that three-game skid, but it was going to be a uphill battle. And yet, being able to go in, uh, well, beat the Cardinals, and then turn around and be- beat the Seahawks. Again, especially the Cardinal game where I believe they pulled Jalen Ramsey off the field or right before and he had to fly home and different stuff. And so, I mean, I, I thought for sure that game would be one that they didn't even really have an outside chance once those guys were now not playing. But that's what they say, next man up. Those uh, other guys stepped in, some a little playing time. The D-line got after him, and uh, they pulled out that Arizona win. And then to turn right around and and beat a Seahawk team, uh, I know there's some controversy on some calls down the stretch, but, you know, that's called the NFL. You get some and you don't get some. Uh, but those are two colossal wins for him, especially this late in the year. I mean, we'll talk about the calls. like. And this is more of a, a Vikings-focused podcast today. As Rams head east for Sunday's game against the Vikings at 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And, you know, by the, time, by the time they take the field on Sunday, this team should be good to go, almost completely healthy for what they are. Uh, we continue to just, fingers, fingers across for certain players, they don't get it. But they seem to be on the up and up. Looking at these two games, you know we've we've written Sean very hard this year, have we not? I think we have. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know we've well, written know. the guy I think, hard. I think we've been fair, but I think we've you know pointed out some things that are somewhat obvious. You know, and it's like, are you truly boy wonder, or are you just you know? Flying by the seat of your pants, or are you just being stubborn in some of the things you are doing or wanting to do? But, you know, it's also another week when, you know, even when OBJ in and out because of all this COVID stuff, uh, and Matthew Stafford another two weeks in. But if there was something about these two wings that stuck out to me is that it just really solidified that those guys really play for each other. And that's where I think it's important to give props to McVeigh. And, and we have been so busy hammering him for the things he should be hammered for. I mean, I think we've, at some points, the guy has had coach after coach after coach after coach after coach after coach after coach leave this team year in and year out for greener pastures. For new opportunities, so to speak, head coaching opportunities, um, progress or, or promotion from defensive from a secondary coach to a defensive coordinator, et cetera, et cetera. 
Every year, he has to reload his coaching staff. And yet, when the rubber met the road in these last two weeks, somehow, some way, they went out there and won two really difficult divisional games. You're going to say, well, Seattle was 5-8 and eight coming in. I mean, it wasn't... Russell Wilson's their quarterback. They had most of their offense intact. They... Their defense gave us a run for our money. Don't tell me they're still not a problem. They're still the Seahawks. They're struggling this year. They're not who we think they should be, but they're still a divisional opponent, and they still, they're still tough. They played the Rams tough. So credit to McVay for pulling this team together. And being a part of getting these guys to play for each other. And credit the leadership to the team. The team leaders for holding together. This is not fun. They're not able to practice together. They're not able to really work together. These last two weeks could have been a time when they, they fell apart. Mike, you, you didn't play in this situation, but you know what it means to, to build a team. You did coach in this situation for a high school team. This isn't easy. There's frustration abound. What's your reaction to all that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the closest thing I have is, you know, again, dating myself, 1987 strike year. Uh, here we are. We come out of camp. We're ready to go and make this run for the Super Bowl. And, you know, we were favored so much to to do those things. We have the strike. And, you know, here we are. We're trying to practice at the makeshift uh, park and, you know, junior high school. We're, we're just trying to Hey guys, we're going to go over here and try to practice, you know, and we'd get out there and obviously try to, you know, go through some art stuff and, you know, get some seven on and went on. But, you know, it's nothing like actually preparing for real games. And so it showed once we came back off the strike, you know, we just didn't have the flow that we needed uh, to, to be able to win those games and get into the playoffs that year. So, to see how these things are happening now in a COVID situation, uh, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's an testament to uh, the coaches and the preparation and also the players taking things seriously and being professionals because uh, you can easily come up with all kinds of reasons why you can't get prepared or why you're not prepared. And for them, in spite of everything, to be able to come back especially these last two weeks, regardless of who they're playing, uh, to get two wins, to now be able to get this stretch run and put things really in your, 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 your ballpark where you can really can control your destiny. That's what it, any coach, or any organization, any player wants to be is the person, you know, not relying on, hey, we got to hope they lose and we win and all these odd situations uh, that could come up. This is just kind of a great thing. And again, uh, you can say what you want, but two wins over two very, very reliable opponents is huge. It is huge. And again, hats off to the coaching staff. Hats off to, um, I mean, hats off to Sean McVay and the leaders of the team. And, you know, they, they really also, I think, discovered their identity a bit. For this year, with all the weirdness with the offense not really being in sync, and they throw the ball a lot, they they do a lot of weird things. 
And yet, in these last few weeks, just get behind Sony Michelle and running the football, power running. Uh, that's made a huge difference, too, I think, in providing stability as a unit out there offensively. And I'm very curious as to how they're going to manage out there in Minnesota with the, the last thing they have out there. U.S. Bank, you know, US Bank Stadium is just huge. I'm, I'm very, very curious. I'm very curious. And as you're looking towards this weekend, what do you think we should expect from the Rams against Minnesota? Well, I would think if, if they're wise, they're going to do a lot of the same. But as you know, D.C., every game, every situation brings about its own circumstance. That's where coaches have to and, and players have to be ready to make those adjustments as things come up to put themselves in a position to win a game on the road. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see because obviously, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, our quarterback and receivers against their quarterback, Kirk Cousin, who just seems like a guy that you don't seem like you want to give a lot of respect to. It just seems like he's a dude that starts getting lucky, then he's not lucky. But, you know, uh, I just remember when he was at Washington, he's like, how you like that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> Whatever he was saying. So it just seems like Kirk Cousin just kind of, you know, keeps getting these, as they say, nine lives, if you will, you know, one week up, two weeks down, two weeks up, one week down. And so, but he's got a talented receiver over there and a guy named Jefferson. So uh, we got our hands full with a guy like that. But, you know, you have a guy named Jalen Ramsey who should be able to remotely cover him. He's fairly well, you know, just maybe. Well, as, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you, you definitely got Jalen, and this is the type of game or this is the type of player. <laughs> Jalen will have his A game on. You don't even have to think about it, uh, especially the time he's had to miss. I'm sure he's going to be so hyped, but even that, sometimes you got to just slow your heartbeat down. But he's a professional, so he's been there, and so I expect him to, to have an outstanding game because playing against guys like this uh, seem to bring out the top, Jalen Ramsey player down in, down out. So uh, it, it's going to be fun. Fun. Fun, fun. All right. Well, we, we do have a preview for you. We did sit down and talk with Matthew Collar from the Purple Pride podcast. He writes for Purple Pride. They're one of our partners at Blue Wire podcast. Before we actually bring him on and have that discussion, we do want to talk with you again about Tick Pick. Because they are our sponsor here. They are getting towards the end of the season. There's no need at all to exhaust yourself all over the internet looking for Rams tickets anywhere. Whether it be on the road or at home. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful services and know that all these other ticket sites charge. And let's guarantee the best. Prices in all their seats. Don't believe it? If you find better prices for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I, I know a few people are making the trip out to Minnesota. Big one. Big matchup. And then, later on in the year, 49ers at home. You mean the Rams need to win these games here, right? Baltimore on the road. If you're making these trips out, and you want good seats, 
This is the time to get them. I've used it. Mike, I'm sure you'll, when the time comes, you're going to use it. Go check it out. Go to tickpick.com slash RTR today to save 10 bucks in your first order of Rams tickets or even NFL tickets. Okay? Again, that's tickpick.com slash RTR. Save big. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here's our interview with Matthew Collar from Purple Pride. All right, folks, as part of our Vikings preview, we have Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. Also, there's a podcast here with our, uh, with our team here at Blue Wire Pods. Matthew, how are you? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, I would say that the Vikings' recent schedule has thrown off my entire uh, understanding of what day it is. Um, they had a <laughs> Thursday night game and then a Monday night game, and now we're back to noon Sunday. And so I've been saying, like, wait, is this is this the normal Wednesday that you know with practice and everything else like that and injury reports? But uh, other than that, it's um, it's nice and warm in Minnesota. It's like 25 degrees, so so we're good. Nice and warm. And 25 degrees. Folks I mean, in California, I love hearing year, that part. You never know what you're going to get, you know? And, and make sure I understand this right, though. Inside your stadium, though, how, how warm is it on Sundays? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's like any other dome stadium. They, if they want to make it a little cooler in there, they can open these giant doors at the end of the stadium. Uh, but they usually are not doing that in December. That's more of a fall thing. If it's nice and warm outside in the fall, they'll open the doors and then the fans kind of get a you know a breeze, a warm breeze that comes in there. But I mean, it, as far as your environment for playing a football game, it is about as good as you're ever going to get. Um, you know, every once in a while, the sun comes through on a day game, and maybe somebody is looking up and loses a football in the sun or, or something like that. But uh, aside from that, I mean, it's it's as pristine as you could ever ask for, uh, which is sort of ironic, right? Like you're. You're up here in the cold and everything else, and they build this indoor stadium. But it's always it's always been that way since the early days. You know, they had the the Metrodome, and then the roof fell apart in that one, and uh, now they have U.S. Bank Stadium. I remember when the when the roof fell apart. That was <laughs> yeah, one of those epic videos I've ever seen. Just watch the snow just pour in. I'll never forget that. But yeah, I, I guess that's uh, that's kind of like you know the, when people talk about this franchise, the Vikings, and just how many 
crazy things in general happen to this team where, I mean, this has been another year. It's every single week something new that you'd never expect. Um, but that's the all-timer. That's the one that everyone says you cannot beat that. You cannot beat that the roof actually fell in. You can't. It's, but I'm, I mean, as a fan, as a, as a, I'm a school teacher on the side here, and this is a school teacher going, holy crap. The things that had to happen for that to actually occur. No way. No way. <laughs> and it did. So, talking about the Vikings now, I guess I, I want to ask about this home field advantage because I have always found it strange to me that the Vikings play in a dome for years. To me, that would be the ultimate home field advantage, like, like at Lambeau or in Chicago, in the cold against teams from California coming in, used to 60, 70, 80, 90 degrees, and you throw December cold at them. What kind of home field advantages are right now for the Vikings? I know it's loud, but give me, give me yeah. an idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, during Mike Zimmer's time here and, and during the existence of U.S. Bank Stadium, it has been every bit of as big of a home field advantage as you would say for Lambeau Field, uh, just in a different way. Like Lambeau is cold and intimidating and historic, and you walk in there and just kind of go, wow. Um, it's, it's really even just the walk up to Lambeau Field through this field basically like you just you park your car on some grass and wander up to it and it's like intimidating even for a, a reporter just walking in there and, and, and like walking into yankee stadium or fenway park there's just something about it uh, but with u.s bank stadium it's much more you know new and shiny and everything else but built to be unbelievably loud uh, and that has made an impact for sure on opposing offenses especially since mike zimmer is historically i think one of the best at scheming up pressures i mean you think about this year the vikings lead the league in sacks and they've lost their two starting defensive ends uh, and yet they've still found ways to create pressure and, and sack quarterbacks i think that says a lot about mike zimmer's ability to scheme and then you add that with quarterbacks struggling to communicate with their tackles struggling to communicate with their wide receivers i mean when the place is really amped up that's what you get. Um, you get a very difficult environment. I think that in general across the league, and Vegas backs this up, I believe, uh, that the home field advantage is basically disintegrated over the years. That maybe back in the day, there was a, a huge advantage to playing at home for almost every team. And now most arenas, you're not talking about um, too much of a difference. But I think especially teams that come in here for the first time, um, can be very surprised or taken off guard by it at first uh, to start games, things like that. Big situations, I think it's really tough. But for the Rams, you know, McVay has coached here before, and Matthew Stafford has played a ton of times at U.S. Bank Stadium before. I don't think that there's a home field advantage against certain people. You saw it like against Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, it didn't bother Aaron Rodgers one bit in the clutch situations uh, when the Vikings played the, the Green Bay Packers. He came up with huge throws and big plays and everything else because you know, the quarterbacks who have been through it before and, and who are the best can overcome it. Um, but I think you do see it in some key situations, especially like on third down, um, that they have an edge. So looking at this Vikings team now, they're, they're I mean, they've been a mystery to me since the offseason. I didn't know what to expect from the Vikings coming in. I, I really didn't. And then I'm looking down their schedule this year, and the thing that really jumps out to me is there's only one game this entire season where they have actually had a margin 
of victory or defeat of more than eight points. That was a 13-point game with a Seattle victory. Everything else has been eight points or less. That really kind of blows my mind. Close games, a close win over Detroit, 19-17. A close win over Green Bay, 34-31. A close loss to Detroit in Detroit. I mean, if you could describe this Vikings team and where they've been this year at 7-7, seven and seven, how can you? What would you say about this team? Yeah, I think that the order of operations for the season has been very bizarre. Like you mentioned, you just don't see this, that every single game, every single week, you're talking about fans on the edge of their seats with games coming down to the very last moment. And sometimes they've come through and been heroic, like against Carolina, where they you know throw a game-winning touchdown to K.J. Osborne in overtime. And other times they've fumbled in an overtime against Cincinnati or they got an interception overtime against Baltimore, didn't take advantage of it. And immediately, you know, Lamar Jackson drives down and they, and Baltimore wins a close game there. Um, but when you pull back to sort of the 30,000 foot view of this team and you look at what their point differential is, where they rank in points for points against offense, defense, all those things, everything is the sign of a mediocre team. Uh, you know, their expected win loss is seven and seven. Um, 12th in, in scoring, 23rd in points against. Like These things are just middling team all over them. And so if, if you look at the accumulation that you know, usually you'll win a game 41-0, you'll lose a game 41-0. Well, we haven't seen that from the Vikings, at least so far this year. But you're still playing like you know teams that aren't very good, you're playing them close. Teams that are very good, you're capable of playing them close. And I'm sure there's some rationalization from the team and from fans, uh, and we've heard this from the team throughout the year, like, we know we're good, we just got to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, yeah, but you can't really do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> you know, we just have to cover receivers better. Like, well, you can't really cover receivers better, and we just need to throw down the field all the time. But, you know, Kirk Cousins can't really throw down the field all the time, and, and you know what I mean? Um, not consistently. He can some games and other games he can't because that's what you get from a guy who's, I would say, widely considered either depending on how you do it, like a second or third tier quarterback. And this is what you get from second or third tier quarterbacks with teams that are flawed, um, is you get 500 seasons. And when you look at every season of Kirk Cousins career, every single one is like this, where there are really good things about his team in Washington. There were, he had Sean McVay, he had Deshaun Jackson, he had like a really good offensive line, uh, but their defense wasn't that good. And so they finish eight, seven and one, or they finish, you know, nine, nine and seven. And then he comes to Minnesota and the offensive line hasn't been good. And so that takes apart games. And, and realistically, if there's even just average play from the Chicago bears the other night, they lose that game because of the way that cousins played behind an offensive line that was getting beat because he can't really make up for it. This kind of goes for everything about this team, every area of this team. Like they're they're just flawed. Like on a given day, you you can have an offensive line performance that's decent, but it's got weaknesses. And so more than likely one guy has a bad day and you're not perfect on offense. And that, that, that's the whole season in kind of a nutshell. So it has certainly been one of the weirdest ones I've covered from the perspective of how many close games but at the end of the day, I think that their record is exactly what it should be. So, all that in mind, like when you're looking at how this Rams team matches up with the Vikings team, they're talking about being flawed. And trust me, we, I can break down all the Rams' flaws at ten and four. Even I, I it, it just drives me bananas. 
Um, how do you approach this game from an analyst point of view? Yeah, I, I think that the Rams have, uh, if you just go through the rosters, a huge advantage in a lot of areas. I mean, you start with uh, the Vikings have a lot of sacks, but it's a little, I don't, I don't know how to how to put it exactly, like a little fugazi, a little bit like it's some of the quarterbacks that they've played have really helped them with this. Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Justin Fields, uh, that you know, those guys took a lot of sacks against this team, and those are quarterbacks that are not uh, like Stafford or not like Aaron Rodgers and so forth. Uh, and it's a little schemed up, and so the Rams have a really good offensive line when it comes to pass blocking. I think the Vikings will struggle with that. Uh, the wide receivers are a complete mismatch for the Vikings cornerbacks. It's not remotely close how those guys match up, and so you're talking about Matt Stafford with probably time to throw and receivers who are going to be open. I, I mean, that's, that's a really tough one for the Vikings defense to have an answer. So then you're saying, well, probably the way that they can win this game is on offense, but Delvin cook is out with COVID and Kirk cousins was on the injury report for the first time since 2013 with a rib injury and coming off a game where now that makes sense about how he played in Chicago uh, that uh, he would have been as inaccurate as he was and as uncomfortable as he was, that he was probably playing with an injury that I think he got early in the game. Uh, and so you're talking about for the first time as a Minnesota Viking, Kirk Cousins not necessarily being 100%. This isn't Stafford where every week he's playing through 14 different injuries. I mean, this is a guy who's usually um, at full health. And Adam Thielen's not at full health either. He's If he plays, he's coming off of a high ankle sprain. And who knows how much of an impact he can have um, the Vikings have not found an answer at right guard. Uh, I can imagine that um, you know who might be a problem if you don't have a guard <laughs> who's good, that Aaron Donald could, could be an issue. And if there is one human being in the National Football League who could slow down Justin Jefferson, that person's name is Jalen Ramsey. So I look at this as such a nightmare matchup for the Vikings that the only way that they have a chance is if Stafford turns the ball over, which he does have a tendency to do sometimes, and they get some breaks. Uh, you know, you get the flag at the right time or whatever, things like that. Because, you know, I think that the records would sort of indicate like, oh, these teams are pretty close. 10 and 4 is not that different from 7 and 7. But on paper, uh, when you really look closer at the matchups, I, I think this is a bad one for the Vikings. Now, the thing is, when I look at the Rams, they are a team that there is a prescription for beating them. And that prescription is. Get a lead early, run out the clock, wear them down. Because they don't have a shutdown defense. They have a defense that will bend, will bend, will bend, and bend. And that's okay if you don't get points in some ways, but in some ways also kind of is, is not good because in the end, the opposing team gets a low time position and just wears you out. That's how teams have beaten them this year. Are the Vikings capable of that with Dalvin Cook out? I don't think so. I mean, so... It's not like the Vikings running game is a disaster when Dalvin Cook is out. Uh, Alexander Madison uh, is, if you're an old school football fan, you remember Leroy Horde. He's kind of like mm-hmm. that. Like he just, if you need four yards, uh, he could get you four yards. If you need anything more than that, he'll get you four yards. Um, and th- they also have an exciting player who I think is going to get a much more chance is uh, Kenne Wongwu, who's returned a couple of kicks for touchdown this year. And they have only handed him the ball a couple of times. But he's averaging seven yards a carry when they hand him the ball. He is as fast and explosive as any player that I've ever seen up close. Like when we were covering training camp, 
and immediately we're like this fourth round pick kid is unbelievably fast but he's also kind of big for someone who runs a four three like six foot 200 pounds and really shifty has a good feel for for just the running game in general if you look at there was a 19 yard run he had against chicago where he had to follow his blocks and be patient and then accelerate quickly and then slam on the brakes and dodge a tackler and he's doing all these things in sort of Delvin Cook-like fashion. I think he's going to get a a lot more work this week with Delvin Cook out. But can they grind you down and pound and pound and convert third downs and things like that? That's not, it's just not really their game. I think that's what Mike Zimmer's dream for an offense is, is that you could keep the Rams offense off of the field and get them out of rhythm and have long drives and and ground and pound and then convert third downs. But that's just, it, it has not really been their game all year. It's more of, If they can hit big plays to Justin Jefferson, well, then they've got something as an offense. But the long drive thing is hard for them because they just do not convert third downs particularly well. Like against Chicago, they went five for 17. And there have been a few games this year where they have, and it's it's been, you know, a big benefit to them. The the one game where they did beat someone by more than one score, uh, Seattle, they converted a ton of third downs in that game. And that was kind of the key. But it's it's almost like their offense is sort of gone as the third downs have gone. And more often than not, I think they've left a lot there to be desired. Now, the Rams are coming off having up to 29 players out at a max for COVID. They're, they've got most of those players back now. I think it's down to like 10 or 12 that are still out. And I'm sure by Sunday, it'll be pretty close to where you know it should be. Uh, they play game on Tuesday. Minnesota plays on Monday. How do you think the weirdness of the schedule affects these two teams coming out there on Sunday? Yeah, I think at this point, everyone's got an argument, (laughs) right? Every single team has an argument for how they've been victimized this year. Uh, The Rams having to move the the game back and then travel out to Minnesota is certainly not easy. Uh, But Minnesota has to play in Chicago where they, they come out with a win, but they got beat up in that game. I mean, Chicago was doing stuff after the whistle. They were beating them up with their really tough defensive line. Uh, they sacked Kirk Cousins four times. I mean, it was it was a really violent football game in Chicago. So they're not coming off like an easy win where they cruised. Um, and I think that both teams are, are looking at this like you're sort of dragging your butts into the into U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, and you've got to just make that quick turnaround. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that either team really has an edge there. I mean, that one extra day for the Rams um, that that they're behind the Vikings is probably negated a little bit by the Vikings having to play Monday Night Football on the road and then travel back. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of a difference um, something like that would make. I, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, realistically, it, it comes down to with stuff like that is like, do you get a, right before the game another positive test from somebody that takes somebody off the field or anything? It's It's been... Just the strangest thing, I mean, over the last two years especially, but really this year with so many more positive tests than there were last year, that every single day you wake up, you look at your phone, or you know, you go out to practice today, like we did as reporters. We went out to practice mm-hmm. today, and then Delvin Cook's not there. And you go, uh, okay, is this what I think it is? And then the team announces, well, he's on the COVID list. So um, that's that's the thing that I think is more of um, something that makes it really hard to predict than uh, the, the kind of madness of the schedule, because I think at this point, these guys are probably used to that. Well, I mean, and there's a couple of names that I'm not going to mention because I'm not trying in any kind of way to, to um, 
you know, be superstitious. Actually, I'm being very superstitious. A couple of guys right now I can think of with the Rams, if, if COVID hits them, you're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. And one of those is certain defensive alignment you, you referenced. Yeah. I, I would just say that's, you know, that's something we can sit here and have a preview today, tomorrow, Saturday. We could preview this every day this week. And due to COVID now, our preview could be moved. <laughs> yep. And that, hey, that's really what happened to me. I mean, today uh, I did a podcast or uh, yesterday did a podcast that ran this morning. And it's like, okay, you know, pretty happy with that preview. And then all of a sudden, Delvin Cook is on the list. And guess what? We're recording another podcast. But, um, you know, that's that's just kind of the nature of the beast this year. And that's why, you know, at the end of the year, in all sports, really, I mean, basketball, hockey, everybody's dealing with this. You kind of going to look around and be like, was that was that legit? I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, if and you always wonder, like, if you got to the Super Bowl and Tom Brady or something or or Matt Stafford was playing the Super Bowl and tested positive right before the game, like, do they delay it? Do they not tell anyone? <laughs> like what? Like what would what would happen uh, if that goes on? So you always wonder, and especially with Kirk Cousins being unvaccinated. Uh, that's that's just been a thing that Vikings fans have been holding their breath, and then you know Cook is the same way, and so the Vikings have this you know high number of players, especially important players who aren't vaccinated, and that's just been it's been an issue this year. Dalvin Tomlinson was out for a while, uh, Harrison Smith missed a couple of games, and now Dalvin Cook in what is the most important game of the year for the Vikings. If they lose this game, then they go down to Lambeau, which is incredibly difficult. Uh, and have to win that. I mean, they really have to, of their last four games, they have to win three or they're not going to be in the playoffs. And so that means two out of the next three. If you lose this one because you can't get a running game going because you didn't have Dalvin Cook, and you're going to look back and go, man, that decision right there for him, that you know, personal decision, I get everyone talks about how that, you know, it's that way. It's, hey, it's, you know, you got to do what's best for you, but uh, it will have really cost them um, if they can't get the run going. Makes you really wonder, you know, with this last big outage, the one that things are here more and more from the players union was just stop testing, just stop testing. Yeah, and um, they're I'm not, not sure. going to do that. How, yeah, uh, and but they did, you know, they did reduce the testing, and that's where you go. Is that really a good idea? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I guess that's one way to get fewer positive tests, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is one way to do it, and in. I'm this. I'm. I'm hoping as this year comes to a close and we head into next season, future seasons, it's a learning curve too. You know, with the new variant coming out, it's not the same as the as the previous variants. So do you do you change your protocol because of the new variant in the market? I mean, yeah. Questions yeah. you got to ask. No, yeah, no, that's a, and, and that seems to be their approach, and it seems to be what all pro teams are going to be doing here is that basically for vaccinated players, they're just going to be like, look, if you're not symptomatic, then forget about it. Uh, just don't, don't even worry about it. Um, because like you said, the variants, and then we've all had to become epidemiologists here, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, because the variants aren't as strong, it's not, it's not like as concerning, I guess, health wise to them. But if you're the unvaccinated players, uh, you should be really, really worried because there's going to be a lot of guys around you that could potentially have it and be asymptomatic and have no idea because they're not testing as much. And I think the NFL is playing a pretty dangerous game with that, but they're also making it clear 
uh, look, if you chose not to get vaccinated, that is a you problem. And we're going forward with, uh, you know, without you. So it's yeah, it's a very tricky situation for all leagues. And it's put us in a spot, you know, trying to even just talk about this, that it has to be a factor all the time. And I'm sure on your show, as, as it has been for mine, just like a very it's a very difficult subject to talk about. Like, well, you know, it was. I- Definitely difficult for us, especially last week. Because we're hearing rumors of a forfeiture. We're like, well, how are you going? How are you going to try and make the Rams forfeit when they followed the procedures? If they make the Rams forfeit, all hell's gonna break loose because your protocols say unvaccinated can be a forfeit. Well, the Rams are one of the most vaccinated teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They didn't break any protocols. They followed everything to a T. What were you going to do if you try to make them forfeit? And apparently the reports out there saying that it was pretty close to happening. That would have been an absolute train wreck. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's just uh, a thing that the NFL is clearly committed to not letting happen. And, um, you know, they sort of made their bed with that from the very beginning where they said, if you have to forfeit a game, nobody gets paid, uh, which I understand was a way to incentivize getting vaccinated. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you're not really going to do that, are you? Uh, you know, and so I don't know. Um, it's it's a very it's a very weird situation because it seems like everything changes by the day. That two weeks ago uh, or three weeks ago, we never heard of this recent variant and everything else like that. And so it's it's always changing. But um, I guess for the the purposes of your preview here, I, I hope that nothing else changes in terms of Vikings outbreaks uh, of COVID before we get to the game. Uh, same here. Same here. <laughs> no more for us. Okay. Well, do you care to make a prediction? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, 27-21 Rams. Um, you know, the Vikings do have the capability on offense to keep any game close, but I just don't think they really have the firepower to keep up with this Rams team. Oh, wow. 27-21 Rams on the road. Far folks who hear it. Matthew Hitt says 27-21. All right. Can you let folks know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm on the Blue Wire uh, podcast network, as you are. So, um, you know, the Purple Insider is the show that anybody can search anywhere they get their podcasts. So if it's, you know, Apple, Spotify, whatever, if you want to listen to uh, what's being said in Viking land leading up to this game, that's the place to do it. And uh, we do our writing at purpleinsider.substack.com. So if you want to check out what is being said by the Vikings, you can do that over there. I just want to thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the show. You're actually one of my best Vikings interviews I've had. No joke. Totally telling the truth on that one. So, so glad you made it. And we'll talk again soon. Well, I appreciate that, Derek. Thanks for having me. All right, Mike. Matthew has his game 27-21 Rams. He doesn't think that the the Vikings have enough firepower. Dalvin Cook out. Uh to beat the Rams. Uh, How do you view this? Well, again, this is just one of those matchups. I know the times that, that I had the fortunate opportunity to play in Minnesota. It's just kind of a different atmosphere uh, when you go to play up there. So uh, though they're somewhat in a dome stadium, when it's freezing outside, that just kind of does a little something to the mentality. Uh, so you got to kind of, you know, be ready for that change of weather and things like that. And again, you're going on the road. So this will be another game just like they probably thought, uh, 
you know, we didn't have a chance against the Cardinals or the Seahawks because certain guys weren't playing. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, Dalvin Cook, great player, definitely will be missed, and he definitely brings a different level to their offense. But at the same time, you're still dealing with NFL uh, level players. And that being the case, you know, they know what's at stake as well as what we know what's at stake. So uh, they're just not going if it for us to do it, we're going to have to go in there and earn it. So just a quick, quick trivia question. As a member of the Rams, how many times did the Vikings sorry, How many times did the Rams beat the Vikings? When during my time? Yep. Uh, that would be a good qu- good question. My memory says we we were. I want to say we played them five times when I was there, including the playoffs. I want to say we were two and three. Really? This is the these are the moments I make Mike feel old. <laughs> Did you beat them when you were the Dolphins? Uh, we did. Because that might be what you're thinking about, because the Rams never beat the Vikings while you played for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was getting ready to say, yeah, because, you know, we lost in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I remember Joy Browner mm-hmm. two times up there, two times up there we lost to him. And I remember it, in, in uh, Anaheim Stadium losing to him, but my assumption was we had to beat him twice somewhere in there, but... No, you're probably right. I know we beat them once uh, with the Dolphins because our defensive coordinator at the half was was in tears because he said we were going to get him fired. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Who was your defensive coordinator at the time? Tom Olivadotti. Sorry about that, Coach <laughs> Olivadotti. <laughs> but he literally had those tears. Hey, man, you guys are going to get And we kind of came back. We came back and won. And so he was all like, hey, man, that's what you guys are going to That's how we got to play. But I never saw a grown man literally, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, Coach. You've been coaching for a long time. Don't you got some money saved up if you did get fired? But anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, so the 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 Vikings literally uh 47 guy named Joy Browner uh just seemed to just come up with picks and plays and I don't know man it, it was just kind of fun. I don't that those days even though we would lose, you know, even though I'm playing, I was still somewhat of a fan just just watching the guy uh make a difference. And, and and just all the things. So yeah, yeah you know, so it's check, a good time. Yeah, check this out. Nineteen eighty-seven Vikings beat the Rams twenty-one sixteen in LA. Yep. Eighty-eight playoffs. Vikings twenty-eight. Rams seventeen. I remember watching that game. <clears throat> I remember watching that game. <sighs> Vikings twenty-three twenty-one in overtime in eighty-nine. They yeah. lost on a safety. How'd you lose it on a safety, man? Come on. Vikings yeah. 20, Rams 14 in 91. That was also Minnesota in 92, 31-17 in Anaheim. And then they didn't. Yeah. But I'm not, and I'm picking on you a little bit here, not to pick on you, but outside of a stretch between 2000 and 2006 where the Rams won four out of five meetings, 
the Vikings have pretty much owned the Rams since 1979. They beat the Rams, I mean, they beat the Vikings in 2018, and that was a close one, 38-31, and that was that classic Jared Goff game. That's what I always refer to as, the. if you ever want to know what Goff is capable of, we'll go watch that game. But outside, the Vikings have really kind of dominated the Rams for much of the last, since what, 1980. 1980, 1987. So, 45 years. A few yeah, couple wins yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, because, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about those early days, you're playing out in that frigid cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had some great games then. My years in the dome, that was just a different. The guy gets on the motorcycle and starts blowing that horn, and literally, it just seemed like dudes just start making plays. So, uh, but yeah, th- those atmospheres you just don't forget, along with the Saints. And, you know, a lot of people don't really probably understand a guy named Bobby Bear, but that dude, he used to be getting it done too. So, yeah, man. But they're going to have to figure it out this week. They're going to have to. And, and talking with Matthew, Matthew noted how loud it can be there at US Bank Arena, US Bank Stadium, sorry. All right, folks, there you go. There's a look at the game. I, it, it's hard for me to give you a deeper preview because we have no idea who's even taking the field on Sunday. So if need be, we'll try and get something out on game day if, we, if anything emergency happens. Um, but um, my prediction, I don't know. What am I going to call yours, uh, Stu? Yeah, man, this is a field goal type of game. I'm calling it 17-14 Rams. Ooh, 17-14 Rams. Um, the Vikings need this one. They need this one, and I am the superstitious type. I am the superstitious type. Both teams need it. I'm going to go... Go with your first thought. My first thought is the Rams are due for a letdown after the last two weeks. I can see that. They're due for a letdown. Not because I don't believe in them, but because they're human. And they're going to a very, very tough place to play. The Vikings you know, have only one game with a margin of victory or loss over eight points this year. So they've played a lot of close games. All right. I reserve the right to change of mind if certain people get hurt. But I'm going to go Rams... 24 Vikings 17. Late touchdown to win it. Ah. There okay. you go. There you go. There's my call. I'm not sure how I feel about it right now. But I can't I can't uh they, you know they've shown a lot of characters the last two weeks. We hammered them for character earlier in the year, man. We did. And they've shown that character the last two weeks. So Ride or die, man. Ride or die. <laughs> That's where we're going. All right. It is, it is time for us to roll. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkRant. Follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. Follow Mike at 1Duke23. Don't forget to follow, to subscribe to our podcast, any more podcasts can be found. Leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Have a great one. We're out of here.